what up, what up, what up, everyone? Welcome to episode 201. You heard that right, episode 201 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Tell a friend to tell a friend about the show, and don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you listen to Combo's Court. Today's show, Brandon Scoop B. Robinson returns to the show. It's always great having Scoop on. Scoop is the senior writer for Heavy.com and the host of the Scoop B Radio Podcast. Go subscribe to that if you haven't already. Also, man, follow Scoop on Twitter at Scoop B. That's S-C-O-O-P-B. You know you could find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. How you been, man? Busy. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You have been busy. You're always getting the scoop. I really wanted to ask you this, man. How challenging is it for you to uh, decipher what's real and what's not when you're uh, getting the scoop, Scooby? Asking a ton of questions, follow-up questions, and getting primary and secondary and Thirdary isn't a word, but the, the but the thing after secondary sources. So it's just a matter of just doing your due diligence and and you know taking it back to J school, just um using your 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 gut instinct in addition to just doing it the the proper way. Are there some sources that are so reliable that all you need is that one piece of information from that one source? If it's the player itself, or if it's the 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 front office person, or I mean, I think they would know, you know. Do sometimes do sometimes people just throw things out there? It depends on who the person is. Yeah. Um, it depends. Like, like, I had, I've gotten stuff wrong. Um, you know, the whole KD Lakers thing, I got totally wrong. Um, but what I'll tell you is, the same person who shared that information with me was the same person um, who shared with me about Paul George's rotator cuff. Um, right. And shared me with me that uh, Anthony Davis was coming to the Lakers, and that was September of 2018. Yeah, you were early on that. You were early on that. Scoop, uh, what have you made of bubble basketball, man? What are some of your biggest takeaways before we get into this final stuff? Um, better than what I expected, honestly. Yeah. Um, I think when you look at the bubble overall, the only complaint I have is the the piped in 2K noise. I think. Um, I don't know about you, um, but. It feels like the Maui Invitational meets uh, yeah, <laughs> right. Meet, meet, meets Riverside Church meets. Uh, I mean, it just it's it's. Um, you talk to some players; they'll call it the most expensive uh, summer camp in the world. Um, it, it's it's. I think it's. It, I think the NBA has put on a lot of uh, stops and. You know, they had to get it done because if they didn't, they would have lost $2 billion. So I, I think um, it, it was it was good to see. It was a model that they that they created, a standard that they created. But I don't think the NBA wants to do a bubble again. Yeah, from, from what you're hearing from the players, how are they dealing with it? 
Because it's not an easy situation. You know, it's funny. Um, I've heard from players that the that, that, that being told what they can't do and being confined, if you right. will, right. is what really bothered them. And, and there were a lot of players who dealt with depression. Like, you really, really had to have a strong mental will, if you will. Um, but then I hear the amenities that go along with it, like, you know, game nights, like, like on the campus of the bubble, there would be like outside, there'd be like a huge projector screen and like players from other teams would sit and like watch games on a big screen TV outside. Um, there'd be card nights, there'd be pool nights, there'd be karaoke nights they'd be you know there was multiple hotels and you know so some players stayed in you know maybe not the winter hotel like the winter the, the hotel that the clippers and the lakers were in but you know you, you got guys who were from other cities that maybe they know each other in passing but you know they, they got a chance to really get to know one another during that time you know i, I think i also do think that when it's all said and done this will be the next wave of the banana boat brothers like like or meaning usa basketball um used as a recruiting tool yeah this is interesting because i i think when guys look back at this experience they're gonna have a connection that probably no other nba no other nba teams have had in the past and i think about that when i think of the heat you know mostly i just feel like they have a special connection and it's something they could always look back at yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. I, I usually like to uh, delve into the deeper basketball analysis, but three funny things I noticed with LeBron in that final game was, you know, one, on the way to the basket, he's talking to the ref, uh, to, which was pretty funny. Two, he started his re rest and recovery process early, right after the game, sitting down on the floor. And the third was just mentoring, you know, on the Denver Nuggets. Did you see all that, and what did you make of all of it? I think LeBron is the, wor the word of the year. Um, is alignment in 2020. Um, I think a lot of people doubt LeBron. If, if you recall last year, um, I was on the forefront of a lot of stuff that was going on with him, particularly last season and the last two years at large with that injury. And I think the best thing that happened to him when you talk about resting was uh, I think the playoffs last year gave him a reprieve going into this year. Um, and I think that for a lot of people who doubted him, hated him, thought he was done, he's feeding off of all of that. It's almost like he took the – he's <laughs> I, I think this term is overused, but I, I think people – it's like he took a tube and he injected everything that people were saying into him, and, and, he, and, it's, and he's exporting it now on the basketball court. Right. And um, I think that LeBron is um, it's just in a, in, a, in a focused state that I don't think we've seen. I think it reminds me a lot of Miami in 2012. Yeah, I mean, pregame, he looked like he was locked in. And then during that final game, you could just tell he was locked in, you know. It was like there was nothing really the Nuggets could do with a LeBron locked in like that and an AD that is just that much of a mismatch problem for every team in the league pretty much. Yeah, I think we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's some coaching coaching vacancies out there, Scoop. You know what's interesting to me? Uh, 
mid-range Sam Cassell, you know, it's, I'm hearing rockets. What are you hearing on that front and just all of the vacancies around the league? Anything that stands out to you? Um, the Sam Cassell thing is real. Um, I spoke to his former Rockets teammate, Kenny Smith, on the phone about it. And he said to me, he thinks that Sam is next in line as it relates to the next uh, class of head coaches. He did not quantify it with just the Rockets, but he thinks that there are teams outside of the Rockets that you know will give him that look. Um, what I can tell you through just doing research and, and making calls in addition to that is that uh, Chris Finch of the uh, the Pelicans is another guy who's, you know, being considered for that position. Ty Lue is being considered that position. Ty Lue has attention from like a bunch of different teams, but um, Sam Cassell would be a perfect fit, um, particularly because he relates to this young generation. I remember being around um, Sam when he was a member of the New Jersey Nets and John Calipari was the head coach at the time and vice president of basketball operations. And um, I remember those two used to be like, they used to clash, but were like the best of friends at the same time. And I think with that experience playing in the NBA and playing with multiple teams, the Mavericks, the Rockets, the Suns, uh, winning three championships, people forget he had a third uh, championship with the Boston Celtics right. as, Rajon, as Rajon Rondo's backup. The funny thing is, people are just now coming to the realization that Sam Cassell will be a good head coach. Sam Cassell was an assistant coach for 10 to 11 years with the Wizards, with um, uh, technically was an assistant coach but was a player assistant coach in Boston when the Celtics won the 2008 championship and, you know, and with the Clippers. So I, I think the Cassell would be a perfect fit, uh, but there are some other vacancies out there at Oklahoma city thunder, um, the Pelicans, um, as well as the Rockets and the 76ers. The 76ers have not officially filled that position yet. Staying on the Rockets. If Sam Cassell were to get the job, it's fair to say their style of play might look a lot different next season, right? Um, yeah, I think Danto- Mike D'Antoni has a, a, a certain level of um, play, definitely. When you look at the, the Phoenix Suns, you look at the the Rockets, you look at the Lakers, um, I think there was a – it was at the seven seconds or less offense that he runs. Right. Um, however, I do think that even if Sam were to come in and Russell Westbrook were to stay, I think there would be a point guard to point guard conversation between Cassell and Russell Westbrook about um, what's expected. I mean, the, I think it's it's a luxury that you have an actual point guard in Russell and a swingman in, in Russell, oh, excuse me, and James Harden um, that play the point guard position. But Russell Westbrook is an actual point guard, a scoring point guard for today's NBA standards. But uh, I think um, James Harden, um, it's a playmaker, a lead guard, if you will. Um, and I think often people get that confused because big guards is just, I don't want to say confused, I just think people are enamored by that. Um, I, I think somebody like Tracy McGrady, for example, would flourish in this NBA era. Oh, yeah. Um, just because he can see over the defender um, and 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 actually has a, a, a third eye, you know, but but is really dependent on as a primary scorer, as, as Harden was. But Harden did that well under Mike D'Antoni. Um, but I, I do think you're right. I think that the, the, the schematics of their offense will change simply because, you know, 
Uh, Sam Cassell is actually a point guard. Um, and I think sometimes defensively, um, when Harden was playing so much primary ball handler in that system, um, on offense, defensively on the other side, he was lagging getting back on the court on the yeah. other side. What do you think? I think I saw improvement from Harden in a lot of ways. He was obviously already one of the greatest offensive talents we've ever seen. I thought he was sharing the ball better. I thought he was playing a little more defense this year. But there's always, there's always a lot to be said when you have a player with such a high usage rate. Um, it's always tough on everybody else and himself, to your point. But uh, have you been hearing Westbrook to the Lakers at all? No. Um, I, I think um, personally, from a, from a basketball perspective, um, him and LeBron would clash. Well, people would say that about Rondo too, right? And that hasn't seemed to happen. Yeah, but Rondo was a different type of point guard. He is. He definitely is. He. I like, mean, they both they both like the basketball in their hands, right? West they like the Rondo. basketball in their hands. Um, but it takes a special player. And and Rondo's IQ is definitely on a whole other level than. Westbrook, as is Westbrook's athleticism, is on a whole different level from Rondo. They're very different, but they both like the ball in their hands. Rondo, to me, um, and Kyrie Irving are the two point guards who were able to play within the way LeBron plays. Because LeBron is still a primary ball handler in that situation. Um, Yeah. I, I use this example often. I remember in 2001, I believe it was, Anthony Mason was an all star that year playing for the Miami Heat. Right, yeah. Next to Tim Hardaway. Definitely. And I feel like those two clashed because Pat Riley was so enamored by having Mason bring up the ball and initiate the offense. Not just in the half-court set, but on the break, too. When I look at that situation with Russell, number one, in order for the Lakers to do that, that will go against the cap heavily. Because you're trying to resign Anthony Davis, who has a player option, you know, at the end of this year. Um, will he decline it? Will he will he you know, it just it depends on it depends on what happens. But he'll likely stay, meaning Anthony Davis. Um Yeah. But you still have some other questions that you have to answer, primarily. Um, Danny Green, Contavious Caldwell Pope with his player option. J.R. Smith and 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 Dion Waiters will will walk, um, assuming you know. Well, it depends on what happens in the finals. But um, to me, Russell doesn't fit in that system. But I do think that the Lakers in the all season are going to have to address some needs, primarily defensively on the wing position. Um, Kuzma was dependent on to be their third star. He he floats in and out. Yep. Um, I, I feel like Kuzma is in a situation similar to Brandon Ingram. Um, last year where Kuzma, I think, performed better when Davis or LeBron were not on the floor. Yes. And then you saw what happened with Ingram. He's the most improved player of the year in New Orleans. Everybody can't play on the floor next to LeBron, and but that's not a bash on LeBron. Um, but I think a, a, a 3D player that has the defensive prowess and shooting ability like Grant – Jerry yeah. and Grant makes sense. Um, and there was some little con- – there was a conversation there, right? Well, uh, oh, excuse me, Jeremy Grant. There's a conversation, but that – I mean, that's 
that's fodder. What I will think, what I do, what I, and I was joking about it on Twitter and Instagram yesterday, but this is what I'll say. Nobody knows you're joking, Scoop. That's the thing, man. Nobody knows you're joking. They take you You don't think they knew I was joking? No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) This is what I'll say to you. I find it interesting that Jeremy Grant did opt out of the final year of his contract and become an unrestricted free agent. But what you, what you have to also take into consideration is um, now is the time to ask for more money and decline that player option because $44 million comes off of the cap uh, for the Nuggets next year. Right. And that includes Paul Millsap and Mason Plumlee. Uh, Paul Millsap has, has interest from the Pelicans as well as the Miami Heat. Jeremy Grant wants about 14 to $16 million annually. In games three through five, I believe Grant was the second leading scorer for the Nuggets, and he averaged about 20 a game. If the Lakers are able to get him, they would have to find a way to include Kuz, to get something for Kuzma because Kuzma's going to have a lot of looks um, in the next year, especially yeah. if he raises his value and wins a championship. So while I don't see Russell, I do think that there are some upgrades that they can make. Um, but they also got to focus on how they're going to handle the Anthony Davis situation. And I'm sure they have the right offer for him. Yeah. It's interesting because if Kuzma just has a great finals, everything before it means nothing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. And this bubble is just crazy. How much do you think general managers, decision makers take from this bubble? Like, do they move off their priors? Because the sample size really isn't that large. And also it's a totally different playing scenario. So do you invest that much money on a guy? And I love to see all the guys that get paid, you know, from this bubble experience. But do, do decision makers move off their priors because of a small sample in a playing situation that we might not ever see again? I think you, you bring up a good point. I think especially when you look at a guy like T.J. Warren on the Indiana Pacers. Right. As an example, you know, like when you look at the Pacers in their situation, you figure a four seed um, who – were beaten by a fifth seed in Miami, but pro- but in the bubble, T.J. Warren was on fire. They switched co- – they fired their coach, and yeah. they're trying to get Oladipo to come back. Who's done – and the coach was great. I mean, he, he did a great job. Yeah. 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 I think you're right. I think you're right. But I think um, part of that is they're trying to get Oladipo to either come back or they're trying to lure other, you know, free agents in the future. So, you know, you look at the Pacers, for example, D'Antoni is a guy that's of interest. Um, uh, Becky Hammond has been mentioned. Mark Jackson is not talked about as much, and I think that they should give him more consideration. Mark Jackson should be coaching in the NBA if he wants to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so D'Antoni I, I, is so interesting because the Pacers played such a mid-range style of play compared to other teams in the league, you know? Yeah, and I think the Sixers are, are more established in that regard than the Pacers. Um, yeah. You know, he's in a situation where somebody like Ben Simmons would flourish, um, as well as Embiid would flourish in that system because they're going to run. Yeah, and, and, uh, and, and, and Ben could take, like, the Westbrook-type role, you know, playing in space. You know what I mean? Yeah, and when you look at Brett Brown, I mean, Brett liked Ben – towards the end at the four position. The crazy thing is the way he was playing in the playoffs early on was how he was playing in spurts last season when Jimmy Butler was there. Yeah. 
And, and and you're talking about like second, third quarter situations where Jimmy was the primary ball handler at times. And, you know, Ben Simmons was able to move off the ball and create any shot he wants um, yeah. getting to the cup. Um, at times, looked lengthwise and the way he was able to get to the basket across between <laughs> Marbury and LeBron James. Just, you know, able to get to the basket at ease with ease. And um, I, I look at that situation with Philadelphia, even with, you know, Joel Embiid, a lot of people talk about his conditioning and more. Um, he has the ability playing for D'Antoni to play face up. Um, and I, I think he could become the second coming of Amari Stoudemire if D'Antoni takes that position. Uh, That's interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, because I think I think Amari was ahead of his time when he played. Definitely. Definitely would fit in the modern NBA the way he runs the floor, like – just like, I mean, the rim running big you want, but plus so much more, you know, like superstar level of that. Yes, sir. Yeah. And I wanted to go back to Nate McMillan. I hope he gets another opportunity because he did so well, I think, with Indiana. But I wanted to shift to the Knicks. Uh, what kind of moves would you like to see them make or even that you're hearing in the draft and in free agency? Well, I think that the the biggest thing that I've heard is the whole Chris Paul thing, um, you know, but the thing is, Paul Chris Paul has about seven to eight different teams that, that have legitimate interest in him. Uh, the Knicks being one of them, uh, the Bucks being one of them, uh, the the Nuggets being one of them, the Pelicans, the Suns. I mean, this is a guy at thirty four, thirty five years old um, that has transitioned his game uh, to uh, almost like what Vince Carter was doing in Atlanta towards the end of his career, but also what Jason Kidd was doing with the Knicks and with Dallas, except yes. scoring more points. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you look at the Thunder this season, Shea Gilgis alexander I knew he was nice with the Clippers, came to, to, to New Orleans and he was a better fit. I mean, that, that, that Paul George situation uh, gave Shea Gilgis alexander a new life. And Chris is closer to his prime than Jason was with the Mavs. Yeah. I mean, Jason Kidd, man, that guy, he just had such an effect on winning. It was unbelievable. Like, just the, the one season that the Knicks were pretty good, he was there, even though he wasn't in his prime anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question specifically about the New York Knicks, um, you know, you I've heard anything from Lonzo Ball, you know, at point guard, you know, that there's an interest there. Wow. Um, Interesting. I, but that, I heard that earlier in the summer. Um, then I've heard Victor Oladipo is a guy that, that's of interest. But you know the, he the, the Timberwolves have interest in Oladipo as, as well. So do the Suns. Then I I look at um Fred VanVleet. That's been talk most of the season. Um, but you know is is VanVleet a max type guy for them? The way that I heard it was that the Knicks would want to spend that money to wow. get him. But at the same time, things do change. The Chris Paul thing was the latest that I heard. That, that, that there's interest and in that they had a, a, an offer lined up, you know, with a package that would include uh, Kevin Knox, uh, Frank Nielakina, um and other fillers in that in that regard. But you know, I, I think if you're to do that with Chris Paul, um, you're investing you're investing a lot of money for the next two years. That means that there has to be other people coming with him. If that happens. The obvious uh, name that 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 shows that everybody wants to come back quietly is 
Carmelo Anthony. You know, he couldn't just, like Chris Paul couldn't just be here by himself. It has to be other people. I mean, the point guard position is the one that the Knicks need to fill the most. Russell Westbrook's name has been thrown out there a lot. I would um, say, and, th- and three and D type guys. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, we we have to see what happens, but I, I do think that um, the Knicks on paper with the young talent, you have to grow them. You know, R.J. Barrett uh, is was hurt throughout parts of the season, um, but you know, put up stats, uh, fill up a stat sheet. You look at um, Mitchell Robinson. You know, this is a guy that you know the Knicks and, and the Warriors, from what I understand, were having conversations at the trading deadline, and the Knicks were looking to bring in D'Angelo Russell, and you know the, the trade didn't end up happening. But um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, uh, starting with a big man in a basketball league, or excuse me, in a, on a team, not just a basketball league, on a team, is a great start. Uh, but you got to add some some other pieces to it, Mitchell Robinson and. I think uh, it's something that the Knicks or someone that the Knicks has really believed in for a while. And it'll be interesting to see what that core of uh, Mitchell and, and RJ Barrett, uh, what can happen. So I don't know. I, I think that, I think the Knicks are just an interesting case study. Do you get rid of the young talent or do you go for a vet? And it's interesting because when I look at the Knicks um, some years ago, uh, they had such young talent and they gave up that young talent for Carmelo Anthony. Yep. You know, you look at the, 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 um, Wilson Chandler's, the, uh, Landry Fields, the Danilo Gallinari and some of those other pieces. I, 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 some years ago I had Danilo on the Scoopy radio podcast and I asked him straight up, I was like, Hey, do you ever sit back and look at that Knicks team back then and say, what if, he said, you know, I, I, Amari Stoudemire and I talk about that every so often, like the what if, you know, what if we had all stayed together? And maybe the Knicks don't want to make that same mistake again. Scoop, agree with you 100%. Most definitely, you're always welcome back on this show. Uh, I encourage everyone to listen to Scooby Radio. Um, please let the listeners know where they can find you on social media and everywhere else. You can follow me on Twitter at ScoopB. Instagram and Snapchat is scoop underscore B and Scoopy Radio is is the wave as far as my podcast. I also host a digital show uh, via heavy.com uh, um, where I'm a senior writer. It's a digital show called Heavy Live with Scoop B. Uh, we've had anyone from uh, Stefan Marbury to Jalen uh, uh, Mills of the uh, Philadelphia Eagles to uh, Jay Williams of ESPN. Uh, to 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 Carl Banks, uh, two-time Super Bowl champion with the New York Giants, just a plethora of different um, uh, guests. Michael Red. So weekly we have different guests. Uh, we have a couple guests this week, and um, yeah, man, be, be looking out for heavy live with Scoopy. You know, carrying over even um, you know October. Got a lot of special guests coming up, so I'm excited for you all to see that. And thanks for having me, my brother. Always, man. It's always great having you on the show. Uh, you're, you know you're always welcome back. Um, have a great day and talk soon, Scoop. Talk soon, man. My man, thanks for having me. Anytime. Episode 201 is in the books. Thank you for listening to Combo's Court and big shouts to Scoop for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, let me know how you feel about this episode by dropping a comment right on your Apple Podcast app. Also, man, let me know you listen to this show in its entirety by taking a screenshot of this episode, posting it on your IG stories, and tag me at 1-2-Combo. That's Oni. 
T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O, so I could share it. Be on the lookout for episode 202 Combo Out.